If your legs open, there will always be a drive-in. That quote, ladies and gentlemen, comes from Whoopi Goldberg. Welcome to episode 38 of The Gospel Truth. This is the place where we understand that the truth will set you free and yet at the same time bring you grief. But on the path, we shall remain. This is the place where we depart from the matrix, and despite the chaos surrounding us, including traffic, we construct our utopia piece by piece. This is the place where we aspire to be higher by speaking our minds in the pursuit of truth. And for those times when we disagree, we use that opportunity to do so in love with the goal to grow in spirit. No BS. I am our major, and I have my brother in quest, Antonio, a.k.a the grouchy wise one, and our sister Rain, a.k.a. the boss, riding along with me. As, as you all know, we only have one rule as you board the bull locomotive this morning. Love is God, and God is love. With that being said, we welcome you to the gospel truth. What's good? What's good? Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, we good. We good. Probably could use a little bit more sleep, but other than that, I'm good. Oh, you yes. could use more sleep? I can't believe that one. <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm in yeah, shock. I can use, use a little bit more sleep this morning. Yeah, but today oh, is Sunday, okay. so I'm, I'm going to squeeze in my Sunday nap somewhere. I'm going to squeeze in. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to find one. I don't normally do a Sunday nap, but I'm going to make time for one a day. <laughs> yeah, I've been skipping them lately, but uh, no, I'm getting to it today. I'm gonna get me. Uh, I wish. Now. I wish I could say the same. Well, Are don't worry. I'm gonna take one. Morning? I'm gonna take one for you. I'm gonna take one for you. <laughs> don't worry about. It. I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I got basketball again. Today. Yeah, today at two o'clock. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> you know what's funny. <laughs> <laughs> the funny part is he does this. He does these activities to keep his boys busy, and now it's working in reverse. Right, keeping him all tied up. And before we move forward with anything, I have to give a shout out and a thank you to my sister Rain. As you all have heard me say before, I just love a sister who can't say no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, Rain. Be careful with that. Be careful with that. Because, and you, I'm sure you already know this, people will take you for granted and use you for as much as they can. So, I, but I just want to thank you. I appreciate you. I thank you. You still have not sent me a bill, okay? And the, the, the checkbook is yours, okay? The checkbook is yours. And what I'm referring to is that I'm going through production um, with publishing company to get my book uh, finished, and I need a cover, and I didn't like any of the options that they had. So um, I reached out to my sister on Friday, I believe, and she got it done for me with uh, choices within a 24-hour period. And not only she didn't just come up with choices, I gave her what my vision was, and she made it real. She made it real. Love it. Love it. I can't, I can't put it any other way, and I just have to say thank you. Thank you. You are Thank so you. welcome. And just for the record, I know that um, our major always says that I cannot say no. I do know how to say no. 
<laughs> oh, I kind of believe it. <laughs> I believe it. That's why we call you the boss. <laughs> I believe it. But I haven't heard those words come my way yet. So I, I do appreciate it. Well, you and haven't um, tried to take advantage of me, so. And nor will yeah. I. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't play those games. I don't play those. Mm-hmm. Games. I recognize no, who is good. Like to, I say no. <laughs> I recognize what is good, and I appreciate it. And I just have to tell you, I really appreciate it. So, and um, I'm not ashamed to say this. Um, when when I saw them, I had tears in my eyes. Oh. Yeah, well, I had I had tears. Oh, wow. in my eyes. I'm not ashamed to say that. Yeah, yeah. It it got me. It got me. It was the pictures. It was the fact that I gave it to her on a Friday, and in the 24 hours she comes back to me. Not, and I didn't put her on a time limit. I just asked her to do it. So I didn't know when it was, when it was coming. It could have been yesterday. It could have been two weeks from, from Friday. I don't know. But she came to me, and it was literally what I envisioned. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's yeah. really good to hear. That's good to hear. And I'm glad she made you cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah she, made me, she made me cry. <laughs> yeah, she made me cry. <laughs> Not, so, but I'm I'll glad she helped you realize your dream, but I'm glad she made you cry. Really? really <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Petty, Petty is always on 24 over here. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, but no, that's good, though. I can't wait. can't wait. can't wait. Yeah, I just know how, like, important it, like, so being an author, I know how important it is to have your cover like reflect what you're feeling, you know, because mm-hmm. um, publishing companies, they are very, um, what's the word? They can be very generic in what they I was going to say bland. Yeah. yeah. So, I was going to say bland, but you're right on it. Yeah, so when you see this thing in your head, it's just like when I did the cover for, um, for my second book, it was like it needed to, it needed to speak something for me. The color palette mm-hmm. was important, all these things. And so it was like, okay, I have to make this happen this way. So I definitely understood. And so because I can connect to that, I know how important it is for the vision to be what you see in your head on paper. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Okay. <sighs> well, what are we getting into this morning, fellas? Um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, speaking of sensitivity, just just a just a quick question: Can people be too sensitive? Can you be like too sensitive? Depends is it a on bad situation. thing? Is it a good thing? Okay, so give me a situation where you think it's too bad. Too bad? Mm-hmm. Too much? Well, you know, being you just a little bit too sensitive. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Hmm. You mean to tell me you can't think of a scenario? I got plenty, but I'm just trying to think of the best one that would be right for this. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Come on. Um, there's a series on Apple TV, Ptolemy, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray. It's based on, a, um, oh, my God, I can't, please, I can't think of his name right now, Walter Mosley. It's based on a Walter Mosley novel. It's a miniseries. I think it's about six episodes. And it's about this man who, played by Samuel L. Jackson, who is going, um, he has dementia. And he's, he's long gone when the story begins. He's already long gone. And, of course, you know, his memory is, you know how they say hit or miss? His is like 80% miss. 
Mm. And <clears throat> the plot is the guy who was initially taking care of him, you know, coming to check on him about two, three times a week, mm-hmm. he's killed. You know, he gets killed in the, I don't know if it's drive-by or what, right now it's a mystery. He gets killed, and, the, you know, um, Ptolemy Gray doesn't know that he's dead until he actually attends his funeral. And so then this, little, this other little girl, teenage girl, she steps in. She starts taking care of him. She moves in with him and everything. But here's the thing. They move, uh, she takes him to his doctor's appointment. His doctor has this wonder drug that's going to restore his memory, but also, too, it's going to accelerate his death. Mm. Right? So, but where my sensitivity question comes in at is I'm watching it and I'm looking at, you know, Ptolemy Gray, and he's still in love with his, he's a widow, and he still, he still loves his wife. He's still in love with his wife. And every time he sees a woman, that it even closely rem, reminds him of his wife. He thinks it is his wife. He'll start talking to her. He'll go ahead, he'll approach her and everything. And that kind of mm-hmm. just seeing him in that state of mind, um, the, the whole the whole thing, the whole dementia part. This man has lost memories of his life, but this drug is mm-hmm. going to restore his memories. Right? That kind of kind of you know got to me a little bit. So go ahead, talk about me. I didn't put myself out there. Is that too sensitive? Oh, no. Nah, hmm? nah, nah. No. Oh, okay. I don't think we're anything like when you're. It's for me, it's like when you're, when you're talking like like kids or something like somebody has like ailment or some type of thing like um, Alzheimer's and stuff like that. To me, that's not being sensitive or too sensitive. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Because there's yeah. there's something totally different. Something that you know you can't control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I think no, of too sensitive, I think about like, um, like a grown person at work being told they can't have their way and they throwing a fit or they moaning and complaining and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, throwing a, t- a temper kind of tantrum. Thing. Yeah, throwing a temper mm-hmm. tantrum and you 40. Like, go sit down somewhere. Like, mm-hmm. stop being a Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's okay, what I, I got you. Are you, are you, so. yeah, are you too emotional over something that's not even that serious? Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, very simple. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Like, it don't require all that. Yeah, when it comes to kids and, and older people with ailments, nah, mm-hmm. you're not too simple. Because you got to remember, you may be that, you know, you may, you know, be that old one day, you know, have w- whatever problems or, or kids can't control certain things. So mm-hmm. it all depends. So that's okay. not too simple. So, so I know then, when, like, when we get sensitive about subjects, anything regarding a child, especially being parents and, and what, grandparents, Rain, you're a grandparent, right? Mm-hmm. All of us right. are. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 we're coming. <laughs> we're yeah, coming. Yeah, we're coming. <laughs> so, um, being grandparents and parents, you know, when we see things in the news with other children, I don't even think of that being sensitive. I just think of that, you know, oh, Lord, that could be my child, you know, or look at mm-hmm. the child. Like like the 10-year-old we're yeah. talking about who was uh, raped. I think they went on and um, let her have an abortion. Is that right? Yeah, she went to a different state. And did you hear the mom don't blame the rapist? Mm. Mm. Let me guess. The the rapist is a relative. Uh, it didn't say. I couldn't read the article because okay. I told you what the certain the job that I did. I couldn't read it. I was like, man, I'm not reading. Okay, that. okay, gotcha, gotcha. Because they go into detail of how I'm not I'm not doing that. It made me upset. Yeah, it'll bring up something else. So mm-hmm. mom is not blaming the rapist. The mm-hmm. dad of this last uh, was it the last mass shooting? He's not blaming his son. And, oh, I'm sorry, no, he's not taking blame. 
That's what it is. He's not taking blame. Although he went and bought his son uh, the AR-15 after his son had already uh, talked about killing them and, and or committing suicide when he was 19. Mm. He had been diagnosed with mental issues, but his dad still doesn't blame himself for purchasing a gun. And of course not. You don't want to see yourself. Go ahead. You don't want, no, I was going to say he don't want to see his own faults. That's what the problem yeah. is. Yeah, it's easy to um to try to absolve yourself of responsibility and accountability, um, especially with something like that, because the whole world is looking at you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you don't, you know, he if he if he um accepts the, acknowledges this, he has to carry the weight of all those deaths on his shoulders. You know, I don't know what's um wrong. I don't understand. Like um, I know that we have a a serious gun culture here in America, but um, putting guns in your kids' hands way too early, I just mental that you know are not mentally ready to handle it. You know, they can't mm-hmm. even buy alcohol at 18, 19, 20, 21. <laughs> you know, they can't even rent mm-hmm. a car, but you're going to go buy them a gun? I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. allow them to buy guns for, for that matter now with the laws changing and stuff like that. But it's like, why should they have access to something that could take someone else's life when they can't even buy um, a pack, I mean, buy alcohol or rent a car on their own without some type of supervision or somebody co-signing. You know what I'm saying? So it just, I don't, the, the thought process and the logic is beyond me. Well, I'll tell y'all. <laughs> it's, the, it's the ones who, who, who rule everything when all the action. That controls the narrative, right. Mm-hmm. And yet, Definitely. They control, and they control it, and then it's, and this is the part that always kills me is, it's them who doing all the foolishness. Mm-hmm. So it's them that got to fix it. And Did you all see? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. I said, as we see, they're not going to fix it. They're not going to. They're not going to fix it. There's nothing that they want to do. Because they get paid so Them lobbyists pay them mad money. Mad money, man. So you already know. They're not going to fix anything that's going to stop their they money from coming in because they, it turns into generational wealth with them. Yeah. Yeah. At the expense of others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Isn't that kind of um, similar to slavery? Yes. Remember, slavery is in so many different forms now. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep, kind of where I'm headed. Kind of where I'm headed, <laughs> what I'm thinking. <clears throat> yep. Um, what's this? Did y'all see the video, the Uvalde video with the cops the guy, in the school building? Oh, he, I did. Oh, I did. One was on his phone. One was on his phone. The other one getting hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer. <laughs> the, the other one yeah. that was running oh, back. And it's not funny. I'm sorry for laughing because it's not funny. Oh, it's not funny in that thing, but he he ha ha is a it's a funny is I just can't believe this this shit. Mm-hmm. Right. And did you see when this when the gunshots start start going off, they're backing up. They yeah. run away. Like this mm-hmm. you're trained to run too. Like and then the amount of time that just elapsed, right? Before they mm-hmm. go in on and deal with the situation. Like, I was so confused. I'm like, why did they fall back for so long? Mm-hmm. Well, we, can, well, we know why they fell back. 
I'm going to yeah, tell go you ahead. why. He wasn't a black man. Oh. Uh, see, I wasn't thinking that. I was just thinking they were afraid. <laughs> now, nah, nah, if he was a black man, they would they get all the confidence in the world when it's a black man. It would have been 90 bullets going off in him. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad you said I'm glad you said it the way you said it because when it's a black man, especially an unarmed black man, they they use the phrase I was a, I was afraid for my life. I feared mm-hmm. for my life. I feared mm-hmm. for my safety. However, mm-hmm. you saw the fear in them when you heard these gunshots go off and you vowed it. They were literally yeah. backing up. The dude mm-hmm. was wiping his hand sanitizer. They, right. they, 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 they have fear then. All of a sudden, now you're scared. They, they, I was scared. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the equipment. But as a black man, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you got all this, got all this comforts in the world. You, you, you damn near Superman. And blue lives matter mm-hmm. then. <laughs> blue, yeah. blue lives matter then. Let's just be honest. Let's call it what it is. But this black man get out here getting killed. Now, I don't know. And I know I'm going to take it somewhere else. I was looking at one of the reports. This black man got shot 60 they shot fifty-four mm-hmm. sometimes, right? Uh huh. That's where I was about to go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. To check this out, out of sixty sometimes, they they hit him forty-six. Now, not to be funny, if you're a police officer, don't you supposed to go and get? Don't you supposed to go to the to the range every every so often? All oh, them motherfuckers need to be fired. If you can't shoot, and then all of a sudden, then they reload it. That's the other part. Mm-hmm. They reload it. Mm-hmm. Of a, yes, sir. This man come to find out his gun was in the back seat, hadn't even been touched. Mm-hmm. With a cartridge Walker. sitting next to it. What well, say his name again? Jalen Walker. I think Jaylen it's Walker. important to put a face in a name, not this name, because um, oftentimes these things happen and then these names get forgotten. You know, so yeah, and Jalen Walker was shot forty six times. And it's sad. And here we go. They got all the conversations in the world, but these babies in there getting slaughtered. It's not murder. They were getting slaughtered. These motherfuckers in there uh, uh, laughing, joking, checking phone, checking mm-hmm. text messages. These babies getting mm-hmm. slaughtered. You sit and then they show them they outside getting water. What the hell are y'all thirsty for? You ain't did nothing. Just standing around and listening to people die. I and mean, all with that being be, said, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting frustrated. I think all all of them need to be on on on, on trial as well. Everybody, all the police mm-hmm. officers need to be on trial as well. Because to me, they it's just a waste of resources because they're not going to they're not going to convict them. They're not like nope. I'm so sick and tired of us spending our tax money putting these people up on these sparse trials that we know mm-hmm. the outcome is going to be they're going to be absolved of their guilt. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it's all just day. it's to me it's unacceptable. You know, um, I was watching this um, this new show on Netflix. It's called Web of Something. I can't think of the entire name of it, but they have like six episodes. I think it's Web of Lies. Yes, um, mm-hmm. that's what it is. And I watched that first episode, and um, there was a, um, what's the thing called? A swatting prank that was done, and an innocent man lost his life. Um, only one officer shot. He shot his AR-15. And he, you know, shot this man. They left the man's body just lay there for like 20 minutes while they evacuated the house and was investigating what was going on. Now, this was a person who was a victim of swatting, and they arrested the people that were responsible for the swatting 
They gave the guy who actually called in the SWAT like 20 years in jail. But the police officer, the one police officer, now mind you, the whole SWAT team is on, um, on, on scene. Only one officer discharges his weapon. You know, they didn't see a weapon. You know, they didn't know exactly what was going on other than what was like being, and the person, the other person was still on the telephone. They had taken people out of the house and they still hadn't found this person that was on the phone saying that they had like, their father hostage or whatever, and they or shot their father or whatever he said or whatever. They shot this man. The family wanted the officer arrested, looked at his history. He had a um, history of, um, you know, when they were extra, um, excessive force, stuff like that. He had been involved in, like, maybe two or three other shootings that were suspicious, and he didn't serve a day in jail. You know what I'm saying? They didn't mm. even, like, prosecute reason to prosecute him and stuff like that, and so often this happens where these police officers that could have done something differently don't take responsibility, they don't lose their jobs, they continue mm-hmm. to serve the public, even though they ha- and they usually have these types of records attached to them. And the fact that there's a whole SWAT team outside and only one officer fired, you mean to tell me that that officer shouldn't be held accountable? No, but instead they use the slaughter as the scapegoat, even though he sh- all of them should have got time, but that officer yeah. shouldn't have been freed of, of it. And just the turmoil yeah. that that family went through because the mm-hmm. um, that mother, she lost her son. A couple years prior, she lost her daughter in a car accident. Her son was mm. raising her niece and nephew, and the niece um, committed suicide. And when the boyfriend found her, he committed suicide. So all these yeah. lives lost. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? And it's like a trickle effect. So it was like, yeah. and then it's like that mother sitting back like the person that took my son's life is not being held accountable. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, she go to hearings and you know how, and that's something we got to get better about doing, like get behind the people in our community when they have like the open forums where you go and you talk to your councilman and stuff like that and you have an opportunity to speak and be on the floor. We got to show up in numbers and show these people that we're not playing about these things, but we don't rally behind each other like that. We'll stand out there and protest for a little bit and then we let it die mm-hmm. down and it's, you know, on to the next one. And it, if until we're consistent about holding our um our uh, political officials responsible and making sure that those people that get voted in, such as the sheriffs and people like that, until mm-hmm. we start holding them accountable, putting some heat under them to make sure that they're really doing something when these types of things happen, nothing's gonna change. Ain't nothing gonna well, change. You, well, you know, you know why a, a lot of people don't, right? So, and I know you all watch the news and been seeing. I think it's this. Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka. Um, I might be pronouncing it incorrectly. Sri Lanka. You know, Sri Lanka, yeah. And a lot oh, they of other showed countries. Up, didn't they? Yeah, a lot of other countries. What happens is they're not scared of their government. Here in the United States, we're scared of our government. It's a totally different. They're not scared to say, you know what? I ain't gonna go to work. <laughs> what you gonna do? Fire me? Cause ain't nobody coming. It's a difference between mm-hmm. how 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 they do things and how we, and that's why they get a lot of things changed. Even in Europe, mm-hmm. they get a lot of things changed because once some people say we're not doing this, and the government say no, nah, you're gonna do it the way they okay. They get to the street. It's not like five or six, like how Black Lives Matter was. No, it's everybody. Ain't nobody going to work today. Ain't nobody set. All people selling stuff or giving away stuff to the people out there in the street. Make sure you got water and food. The whole country gets behind them, and they they tearing everything down. Even the military and then the police officers, sometimes they'll say, you know what, y'all are right. But see, our country yeah. is set up totally different. So we're scared of our 
if our military and our, our government officials, where they're not, they're willing to, to risk their lives because they, yeah. they, have, they, they know a greater good. And it was just amazing. To me, it was um, seeing it, the footage and the pictures, mm-hmm. it was very emotional for me. And it was just an amazing sight to see, to see, a con- like, the country. You look, and it, it, looked like, it looked like the five million man march. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was people for miles, you know. Like, just, I mean, they were up on the... Um, on the property, on the real estate, everything, and then just for miles, just all you saw was people. All you saw was people. Like, because you're going to change. We're, you're going you're gonna to resign. You're getting out of power. Like, you need to step down. And I'm like, wow, like, these people really come together. Like, how did they, you know, it's like all this access we have to Internet and all this stuff over here. <laughs> like, how did they even pull that together over there? You know what I'm saying? For everybody, right. mm-hmm. you know, we all need to show up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we have access to all these resources to coordinate and stuff like that. But to see them coordinate in that larger number, it was just like, wow, this is what we they, need. I think a lot of times they still listen to a lot of the elders. Mm-hmm. They, I think a lot of them still listen to the elders, and, and the elders tell them how to, how to come together and how to get this person involved. Here, if you say something, these, some, some of these young kids, I'm not going to say all of them, you might damn near be dead, shot, <laughs> or, or, you know, they may go off on you. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to say all of them because there's some good kids out here. But I think a lot of, because a lot of the traditions, in these other, they actually have traditions in these other, other countries where, as far as a lot of us, we, don't, we no longer have um, traditions or even taught what traditions were. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know. And I was going to say, I don't even think people respect elders here anymore. We were, mm. I was having that conversation the other day, just the way um, people don't respect the elders anymore, like, especially um, like this generation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, we're in a sad state when we don't, you know, even just reading some of the news reports of how they're being attacked and robbed and taken advantage of. Like, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff you would, you would not hear about, you wouldn't do because we had it a culture where we protected our elders, but not anymore. Not anymore. Well, doesn't that still depend upon the upbringing? And as we always say, it starts in the home. Not well, necessarily, though. Even, yeah. Um, I think that has something. I do, I do feel that that plays a factor in it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, to me, I mean, this, no disrespect to anybody parenting their child as a friend, I don't really feel like people are raising their kids anymore. A lot of them are more so trying to be friends with them, um, they're not teaching them those boundaries and of respect and stuff like that. And then society also, with their influence on how you raise your children, um, even though society, I refuse to let them tell me how to parent my child because, like, I had police call on me for my kids and everything. I'm like, who's taking with you? You know what I'm saying? taking with you or whatever because I'm going to raise mine. You know what I mean? Because if you don't raise right. them, they'll be out there sticking a gun in somebody's face trying to, rob them or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So don't interfere with me trying to um, discipline my child and teach them the right things to do um, and stuff like that. But it's, I think it's twofold. I do feel like it um, is part of what's happening in the home. And then the other part of it is, like, the fact that society has kind of given these, the, um, this generation and uh, it started, uh, you know, a little while back or whatever. With it, you know, it was just, like, all these um, – regulations to give them all these rights and all this 
um, all this say. <laughs> I'll just put it like that. They had all this say, whereas when we were coming up, um, it was different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You had to be accountable. You had to answer to your parents. Your parents had the authority. And now a lot of that authority has been kind of like etched away by laws and stuff like that. So, But not even that, though. You also had a street code, too, though. <clears throat> even if you didn't have anything mm-hmm. in the home, you had a street code. And they knew what the street mm-hmm. code was. Everybody knew what the street code was. Even if you wasn't necessarily in the street, you knew that you didn't mess with old people and kids. And if you mm-hmm. did, you was going to be taken care of. That was a, so, that was a, that's a true. street code. Yeah, that's true. So I'm going to challenge well, you on that, okay? Because mm-hmm. even though that street, that, you know why those people had that street code? Because even though, even if you was in the street, you were taught the right stuff at home. So mm-hmm. people that opted to go into the streets and stuff like that, they were like mm-hmm. they still had the raising and the mindset of um, rules that their mother gave them or their father mm-hmm. gave them, right? So mm-hmm. that transferred into how they did business in the street. That's why they didn't mess with kids. That's why they didn't mess with elderly people. That's why mm-hmm. you didn't go after people's families or go after people's kids and stuff like that. So it, mm-hmm. as crazy as that sounds, and it still goes back to the morals that were instilled in you at home. Yeah. And that's yeah, why yeah. that stuff transferred into the code that they offered in the street. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree. But I'm just saying, even if you didn't know, you knew it was a street code. But then the kids, because they wanted to be on, they saw the um, they saw the OGs out there. They, they started killing the OGs and said, hey, we're going to do what we want to do. So now it's no longer a street code. Mm-hmm. We just oh, do what the hell we want to do. Yeah, I was watching a um a little video yesterday where they were talking about um how Atlanta has changed. Um, it was a guy. He was he was a street guy, but it was like a little video, and he was talking about that. He was like, you know, I don't even recognize this place no more. He was like, all the rules and stuff we had in place. He's like, you don't even see those things play out anymore, you know. But mm-hmm. it's there's. There's no more respect for life. There's no more um, protecting um, certain people. There's no more Switzerland. You know, certain things were considered Switzerland. You just didn't mm-hmm. violate this place or this area or these things. And all that's gone. And all that's gone. These yeah, kids and this generation has no regard for life. You be friends you know with somebody one day, have an argument the next, and you pull out your gun and shoot them and don't think twice about it. I don't understand that. If these kids had the same, because they, they don't have no fear, right? If we can take that same child, right, and harness that, that same non-fear that they have and put it where it needs to go, man, it will be a hell of a thing. So I think, what, has, what has got our kids, then, you think, to this point? How did they get here? It kind of goes back to what Rain was saying. It's parenting, and then they feel like things not going the way they want, so they're going to force it, or they're going to take it. So they'll look at it and say, y'all ain't doing this, or y'all didn't do this in your generation, so we're going to do it this way. But we're, we're not going to do it in the... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish a second. No, I was just going to say, they, they also feel like they're not going to, because if things didn't happen the way that they that we wanted them to, they're going to force it. Uh, the way that they feel like it should go, which is going to—they feel they think it's going to change the dynamics. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what these kids be thinking because they, like she said earlier, one minute they're your friend, next minute <laughs> they're there to kill you. 
Yeah, I think also um, <clears throat> there's been like a lot of pressure and a lot of influence um, placed on our kids to show them. Um, so like society to me, like a lot of stuff they see and they listen to in their music, a lot of stuff that they see on TV, it glorifies like this valid lifestyle, right? It glorifies, mm-hmm. um, you know, like um, just certain things or whatever. And then you also got to look at the family structure now too. We don't have a lot of um, a lot of these kids aren't coming out of. Um, you got um, some kids that are in the city, impoverished, right? They're not coming out of um, coming out of two family homes. Um, where I come from, you didn't come out of a two family home, and the parent that you had in the home was on drugs or um, or strung out. So you had to like fend for yourself. You had to figure a lot of things out for yourself, and nobody like. You don't have a church setting up in the community like you know, like you used to. You don't have um, people getting involved with other people's business because that's frowned upon now. So you don't step, you don't have people stepping in, trying to step, you know, step in and help out where they see a need and things like that. Because again, it's like everybody minding their business or whatever. Um, and we don't have like a lot of stuff that were a lot of things that were in place to kind of help kids, give them um, a place to go to to keep them out of trouble and stuff like that, those uh, facilities mm-hmm. and stuff like that are gone. They're not funded and stuff like that. So it's, you know, like it's this old saying, I don't mind it's the devil's workshop. You ever heard that? Your grandparents ever said it to you or your parents ever said it mm-hmm. to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. definitely. So if yeah. they don't have anything constructive to do, then what are they left to do? They're left to be influenced by their friends. If they're at home eight, nine hours a day by themselves, while the one parent that is in the home is working um, two hours away or hour away, you know what I'm saying? It's so much available to them to get to, right? Get into or whatever. You know, they they're friends, and then it's also the pressures of trying to fit in, the pressures of not trying to be the um, the odd man out, um, and all that kind of stuff. You know, so I see these things all the time. Um, like kids and youth is like my passion, and it's so sad because here in in my own community, and I we live in a great neighborhood, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I live in the suburbs in a really nice neighborhood, and I have five kids. So, you know, having five kids, and y'all, you can probably attest to this when you have multiple kids, you have, mm-hmm. you know, their friend circle and stuff, and they become like your little surrogate children and stuff because they're always around eating your food, sitting at your table, hanging out with your kids because a good parent wants to know who their kids are hanging out with because like they say, mm-hmm. tell me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are. So right. um, just through the years, just getting to know a lot of the kids, I have taken a lot of these kids to church with me. I've taken a lot of these kids to um, to different things. They slept in my home. They ate at my table. And it's amazing to see the divide between them. Some of them have gone off to college and been very successful and then others have gone on and they've become a part of the system, wanting to be gangsters and not exposed to that stuff, right? Not um not raised to be gangsters, not raised to, you know, carry guns or to to um mm-hmm. be violent kids that they turned into, right? So, um, one little boy, he he's so gifted, so gifted, he could sing like an angel, he could write lyrics and stuff like that. And his dad used to um he and he comes from a two family home. Um, he was the youngest of six, and his father used to tell him, like, you know, singing is not for men. You know, like, he frowned on the gift and stuff like that and um, would discourage him from doing it and stuff. So his dad was, like, had spent, like, maybe 15 years in jail or whatever. So he had, like, this hardened mindset and this 
idea of what a man should look like. So instead of encouraging, encouraging his son in these positive things, he, you know, basically, you know, gave him like a different perception of what life should be. And then watching his father disrespect his mom and all that kind of stuff, you know, in the home, they would come, you know, and these, I know these things because these kids would come and talk to me and they would, my house was like their little place to hide out. Like if your parents are arguing, they would come here so they don't have to hear the arguing or, you know, stuff like that. So this kid, he ended up stabbing his mom. He ended up like stealing, mm. um, yes, yeah, stealing, um, now, mind you, he's learning not to respect his mom from watching his dad. You know what I'm saying? And then his mom is not, like, having subsequent conversations to say, hey, you're going to respect me, right? So he ended up standing right. his mom, like, stealing her car. Um, he took, um, got a hold of a gun somewhere, went out of town, shot somebody, and came back. And that boy's in jail, you know. So he's in jail for probably the rest of his life. Mm. And I'm like, this is a kid that used to sit at my table and, you know, cry about the stuff that was going on at home. You know, I used to try to talk to him. You know, my son used to try to encourage him, and it's just, like, crazy. Then another one of their friends, he's in jail because he was in, I, I don't know if y'all heard about that shooting in Snellville where the um somebody was um, at a gas station and got shot. He got, they linked him to that shooting. Um, he was um family home. No, not the coach. Mm -mm, this was the one before that. But um, okay. it was the man at and um, that that was in Lawrenceville with the coach, but this was a um, shooting at the gas station in Snellville. But he, um, his mom was one of the moms that be day friend. Like you know, he was I could remember when he was fourteen, um, thirteen, fourteen. The mom giving him weed to smoke and you know letting him smoke in the house, and he was sharing it with my kids. So of course I'm going down the street knocking on the door, like you know your son smoking weed. This son giving weed to my son, you know, and I'm brazen thing because I don't raise my kids like that, you know, and I'm all in my mm -hmm. kids' business. They don't have no privacy, you know. <laughs> so she like, just because I let you do something don't mean you can give it to somebody else's kid. Come on, you know better than that. Like, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then it was crazy because the first time she walked in my house. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. How old is this kid we talking about that she lets do? How old is this At kid? this time, he was 14. Mm. Okay. Yeah, okay. he was 14 at the time. <clears throat> and my son was 14. So you're not giving my son no, you know, no weed. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So right. Um, the first time I met him, he walked in my house and he didn't speak. So I told him, get out. And my son told him, like, look, my mama did not play. Like, you cannot walk in her house and don't speak or whatever. Because I had walked and mm -hmm. I gave him an opportunity. And I was like, um, and hello to you, too. And he just said that he just stood there looking at me. And I was like, um, I didn't see with you last night. Like, did you not see me standing here? And he still didn't say nothing. So I was like, you can get out. I was like, take him out of here. So <laughs> when he came back the mm -hmm. second time, he was like, you know, how you doing, Miss Hopkins? Uh, when he had called me, Miss Julia, and my son was like, oh, call her that. That's not her name. So <laughs> So I was like, you know, when you come, so I sat him down, I talked to him, I said, when you come, you know, when you come up to my house, you speak, you know. And there was another conversation I had with his mom, and she was like, you know, she wasn't raised like that. Nobody ever taught her that when you walk into somebody else, you speak, you know. They was kind of raised where they do what they want to do and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it was, I could see why he was struggling and, you know, going through the things that he was going through because he had a parent that was emulating her mom's parents and model, just kind of let him do what he wanted to do. And mm -hmm. he didn't have no respect for his mom because it wasn't an error, you know, it wasn't like a situation where she was fostering respect. 
But she was like, he act different with you than he did with me because I'm like, yeah, because I'm going to get my respect. You're going to treat me a certain way in my home or you're not coming in here, you know. And so, mm-hmm. like, it was right. to the point that she would bring him here, like, when they would be going at it at home to say, hey, can you talk to him or whatever, or can you stay here a couple of days or whatever. And I kept trying to talk to him, kept trying to talk to him, kept trying to talk to him. And now this is a young boy who's got a baby now, and now he's in jail, you know, and, and probably won't be here to raise his son. You know what I mean? Because it, this is a murder charge. God, no, I don't know the ins and outs of what happened. I just know that they arrested him, you know, because she called me and told me, like, that he had got arrested, involved in it and everything. But it's like, goodness. But I, when I look back, I'm looking at you and your parenting style, and I'm like, how did you contribute to him landing here? You know what I'm saying? Have you looked mm-hmm. at that? Right. How you contributed to him landing here? So there's so many different variables that are affecting this generation. And part mm-hmm. of his parents and part of his society, part of his trying to fit into a culture that affects you to act a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> you know, these laws mm-hmm. that are opening up and making stuff like guns available to them earlier and, and everything. It's just, it's so many different variables. And it's just like, you, that's why you have to be diligent in keeping your children occupied, knowing what they're doing, providing some type of structure and stability for them. Or else, you know, they'll have access to, um, the influences of other people, and we got to realize as parents that we are not our child's only influence, you know, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you need to be involved and know about those other influences that are going on behind your back. Be in their social media. Like, why your son on social media um, posting pictures with guns and thousands of dollars and drugs and he ain't got no job? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Why you don't know that? He ain't got no job. Why you not ask? Oh, I'm That's true, though. That's true. Right. No, 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 I hear you. I hear you. you and know, you don't even know it's out there until they get arrested. Then you're like, oh, I didn't even know. I've never seen this. Little Johnny ain't never had a gun. Girl, they, Johnny got 30 posts on Instagram right now with him holding AR 15, this Glock, that. You know what I'm saying? And you don't even know what Why the we always call him Little Johnny? Why do we always call him Little Johnny? I don't know. Let me tell you what gives me, though. Little Johnny get arrested, or Little Johnny get he get killed. You know the first thing they say. He, he used to go to church. He was a he's good a boy. Good, he's a good boy. He's a good boy. Well, he you know what? That's gonna be my next question. What role, <laughs> if any, does the church play in this? Man, sometimes church get blamed. Church. Sometimes church, church get blamed. Man, he got nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the church gets blamed. And they got nothing yeah, to do with it. he got to do it. How does the church get blamed? They say he generally went to church. Jenny had been in church since he was a kid with his grandma. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. He's been in church, church for so long. Gotcha. He's 20 years. And all of a sudden, he's a good Christian. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. the church, he didn't even go to church. Yeah, we're like, we don't even know little Johnny. I ain't seen his church baptism. Oh, boy. Poor little Johnny. Poor little Johnny. But that's what they do, though. The parents <laughs> love to say that. Parents mm-hmm. love to say that. So, let's let's our our people got to have balloons. We got to have balloons out here and do, man. Don't, don't call me for this shit. Don't waste mm-hmm. my time. Yeah, because a lot of times we just gotta look at ourselves and how, and we, you know, how we contribute and stuff like that. You know, um, mm-hmm. I have a cousin. She um like she used to sell drugs in North Carolina, and um she got her son involved in the business and everything, and then he um. He joined the gang, 
for initiate. He was 19 when he joined the gang for initiation. He had to shoot an innocent man. He shot the man. The man died. He um, got caught. You know, I think they picked him up within three days or whatever. And then she was crying. She was a wreck. And I think that was like the hardest conversation I ever had to have with a family member because I was angry with her. I was, like, angry with her. And everybody in the family was just, like, you know, telling her it's not your fault and, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, kids make their own decisions. And I said, no, it is your fault. I said, you the one taught them to be a drug dealer. You the one that put, you know, and she's like, me she and her, we grew up close. Huh? She did? Yeah, she, yeah she's the one that taught him how to say She's selling drugs. She's like a drug queen. You know what I mean? Like, um. She, you know, I know she got put in a position where she became a single mother, but, you know, I know single, a lot of single mothers that go out here and work two, two jobs rather than start selling drugs out their house. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. have their sons be like the dealers for them. You know what I mean? So when your kid, when you do that kind of stuff and then your kids get excited about a lifestyle, you can't say because they pick up a gun and shoot somebody that that part isn't your fault. It is. Because what do you think the next step is? That's the next yep. step. You can't be in a drug-dealing lifestyle and not have a gun on your hip to protect yourself from somebody robbing you or this or that or get fascinated and say, oh, I'm going to take it to the next level. I'm going to join the gang because they're going to tell me how to get to this next level of money. Mom is nickel and down to me, so I'm going to get in the gang, and the gang will help me make big money because they already see you out here dealing in the streets and stuff like that since you like, 15, 16 years old. And then you, yep. tell her, then you want to tell her she's not responsible. You are responsible. I blame you. He never stood a chance. You know why? Because nobody was teaching him the right thing to do at home. And y'all ain't yep. going to sit up here pacify her in front of me. And we got to stop doing that. We got to stop absolving parents of responsibility, just like that dad that gave his son the gun, and he's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's not his fault. You, it is your fault. You put the gun in yep. the tank. You, you did it. You knew he mm-hmm. had mental issues. You knew these mm-hmm. things. You had all the facts and information to set yourself up, your son up for success, but instead you set him up for failure by giving him a gun, knowing his situation, knowing the things that he said, knowing what he was capable of. Stop being in denial and accept the truth about who your kids are and do what needs to be done to protect them and help them get on the right path. Right. Like, my kids can't stand me. I call the police on them. You did, oh, you did something wrong? Oh, I'm about to call 911. <laughs> Mom, you keep it on. You a snitch, you a op. Call me what you want. I ain't raised you to break no laws. And you ain't about to hang out here. And hey, the police kicking my door. Go turn yeah. yourself in, or I'm going to turn you in. Because I got other kids in here to think about. Yeah. You know, that's one thing my mom did, did to me, though. And I, I took it for what it was. My mama said, you get in trouble, I ain't, I ain't losing my house over you. I ain't doing this over you. <laughs> Mm. She said, "She said, so I advise you, you better, you better walk a straight line, because you know what they do to people in jail, don't you?" I said, "You know, if you told me when I was young, no, uh-huh. what they do, what they do, mommy, what they do." She had that conversation with me. I said, "You're not gonna come save me." She said, "No, I didn't put you in that situation. You did." I said, yeah. Yeah, "Don't even get in, don't even get in trouble, because I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a victim." A circumstance uh, the, the only thing my mom told me about jail was, uh, I don't visit jail. As, yeah. That was it. <laughs> and she, yeah. and she said, I ain't gonna bail you out either. And so you know what? I took that. I took that to heart because I, I'm, I'm like this. I love you know. I used to say all the time, I love my mom to death. But if she go to jail and she deserved to go, I can't help her. 
Because that's what she taught me. That's what she taught me. You you, you, mama, you're on your own just like you told me I'm on my own. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) That's what she taught me. So I feel you. I feel you. And the true part is I've talked to my son and daughter both, but really my son, Mm -hmm. about jail. But I never never said, you know, I'm not coming to visit you or anything, but if you deserve to go, you deserve to go. And he just looked at me, right, and give me this look like, so you, think I'm going, you think I'm going to jail? No, I don't think you're going to jail. I don't think you're headed in that direction. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Well, once mine said they ain't coming to bail me out, <laughs> they ain't putting their house up, I said, the hell, they meant for me. <laughs> right. Right, I feel you. Mm-mm. What are your thought processes? I mean, what are, you, what are y'all thoughts on, um, on that situation? So, like, do you feel like, so, like, if your child, what do you, how do you feel about parents that constantly bail their children out? You know, like they have a pattern of getting in trouble and they constantly bail them out. Like, do you agree that they, you're, not, that you're they enabling them? Yeah. You're enabling them. If you know your child, I mean, as, as we were discussing, if you know your child has a problem, whether, you know, whatever that problem is and you're not addressing the problem, and, but you're continually, you're continually enabling them, you're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. When you, and, and guess what? It didn't start when they started breaking the law. Mm-hmm. It started when there was no law in the home. Yeah, that's really when it started. When there was well, no law in the home established, that's when it started. And that's why I, 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 I agree with you because there's no consequences. You don't teach these kids consequences; they don't mm-hmm. understand anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my next, I would have had a conversation. I was like, "You got a boyfriend, a girlfriend in there? You need to tell me about because uh, something ain't right." You got a problem. Mm-hmm. You got an addiction problem to jail. You, so in that mm-hmm. case, we're not gonna let you out this time. We're gonna let you go and stay on in there, because obviously somebody in there that you really want to see. So instead of me wasting my money, I'm gonna let you go and stay in there with them. Mm-hmm. My rule with my kids is um, the first time. Um, so the first time I give you grace, but the second time it's all you. You know, fortunately I didn't have like a whole bunch of issues with all, you know, I had three boys, so I had, my oldest son was like the one that was the child and so the first time, you know, I showed up for him and all that stuff, but like all the other times, I didn't come to court, I didn't come, I never visited him in jail, all that stuff, and so he would call and be like, why you didn't come see me in jail? I'd be like, I didn't hurt you to go to jail, so I could even get out, you know, and he didn't understand at the time, you know, like, um, I'm like my dad. I'm really big on tough love. Um, and it wasn't that I didn't love him or whatever, and I prayed for him constantly, prayed for his protection, prayed that the Lord would, like, change his mind and his behaviors, and that at some point he would see, you know, that it's not worth it, you know. And it wasn't like he was doing, um, he wasn't doing, like, violent stuff or whatever, but it's just dumb stuff, like, just making one dumb decision after the next. And I, you know, my mother, everybody was criticizing me, like, you got to go visit him. You need to put some money on his books. You need to do it. You do it. You do it. I'm not doing it. You do it. You know. Right. <laughs> so now right. he's got his life all the way together. You know what I'm saying? And he came back, you know, for a while. He hated me. Oh, he couldn't save you. Like, I can't save you. You know, he called me the B word, everything. Like, what kind of mother does this today, child? Everybody else's mother show up for them. My mother never did the court, but uh, I said, you know why they keep, and that's why they keep going back to jail, because they mother keeps showing up acting like this is what she told them to do. I didn't praise you to be like that. And I had a judge lay into me one time and tell me, like, um, obviously there's a pattern of enablement and 
this and that, and um, it was me and my pastor in the in the um in the courtroom, and um, I told that judge, I said, let me tell you something. I said, what you're not gonna do is you're not gonna sit here and presume to know who I am and how I raised my child. I said I hadn't been at any court hearings because of the fact that I did not raise him to do these things. And he need, if he wants to be a man and make these types of decisions, he's going to stand on those decisions as a man on his own. I'm not going to stand beside him and let, make him think that it's okay or that I support him through these types of choices that he constantly makes. I said, this is not his first time being before you. This is not his first time in the courtroom. So you're not going to attack me and say that I didn't raise my son to do the right thing or to make the right choices and things like that and just assume because he's black that we fall into these stereotypes. And I was he mm-hmm. my pastor had to, like, grab me and take me out and, you know, have a conversation with the judge or whatever because I was heated. Like, no, the the blank, the blame is going to lay at his feet because he's been taught right from wrong. And mm-hmm. don't assume because the parent doesn't show up, that means that they don't have a support system at home. You ought to be concerned about the ones that keep showing up and bailing their kids out and giving y'all mm-hmm. money to help support this um, this cycle that you perpetuate for our black kids anyway. Then the ones yep. you really need to be concerned about. Yeah. But well, let me ask you a question. Let me ask y'all a question. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it that we haven't taught our kids that the system the government system is an, another form of slavery. Have we not taught our kids that? Like, I have. I have those uh, conversations. Have you? I haven't had them in deep detail, but I, I talk about racism and slavery enough around here. I'm probably the most least uh, popular person in my household, especially mm. when it comes to conversations <laughs> like that. <laughs> okay. Because um, mm. sometimes they'll look at me and they'll say, well, we know where this is going. But yeah. some oh, things wow. you can go ahead and say to them, but they don't really see it until they kind of experience it. Yeah. When they yeah, start I, experiencing it for themselves, mm-hmm. okay, Dad, I see you. I see your point. Yeah, um, I talk to my boys. Like, for, so for me, I always told my boys, always stay a thinking man. If you become a thinking man, you always stay steps ahead of people, right? And mm-hmm. you think in mm-hmm. the correct way, right? Mm-hmm. So when especially like when a lot of things start happening around Atlanta, my 20-year-old, he was like, Dad, like, if they wouldn't be at this and they wouldn't be at that, they wouldn't be in that situation. I said, that's my point. Instead thinking, man, I said, certain situations, I'm 43. Certain situations that some of these people been in, I've never been in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I said, stay thinking. Mind. So I always, t- I always tell the boys to stay thinking, man, they think to, to stay thinking, man. Because I don't want you all in certain situations, you know. And then my oldest son said, Dad, if it wasn't for you, you know, because me and their mom got divorced when they was like seven or whatever. And um, they were like, Dad, if it wasn't for you, you know, I we don't know where we would have been because I, you know, hell, I, and I tell people now, this is one of the new rodeo for me. I've been running the streets with these kids, taking them to different practices, making sure I'm there and, and whatever, whatever. But I think if we, if we as parents take accountability, for our kids, and, and I kind of agree with Rain. That's an accountability. I didn't train, I didn't raise you that way. So you're gonna get this tough love, and you're gonna know you ain't the first person to call me a bitch. You won't be the last. But you gonna know today mm-hmm. that that's something I don't, I do not agree with. And I think sometimes when we don't teach our kids accountability, we don't teach our kids consequences. They keep doing the same thing because they know grandma, mama, daddy, somebody, auntie is gonna continue to bail them out. I continue to send money on their books. They don't sit there and say, you know what? I did this to myself. 
I'm the blame for this. You know, because they know somebody's going to bail them out. You know, and I can tell you from my, from my family experiences, if I'm going to no consequences, my boys know. Uh, daddy, daddy ain't going to go, it's not going to go like that with him. Well, so. see, see, you have a, I, I love the way your your children are aged differently in respect mm-hmm. that they're 10 years apart. You, know, you have your two older boys and you have mm-hmm. your two younger boys. And I like mm-hmm. it from this respect. One, you get to do it all the way from the, from the, from the time they were conceived until the time they are um, adults, right? And also, mm-hmm. two, you get to learn from whatever mistakes you may have made with your first two. Not saying that you're a bad parent at all. I'm not implying that, but, you know, but we all make mistakes. But, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever mistakes you may have felt you made with your first two, you can correct it with your second two. That's growth for you. But yeah. then your first two also get to see how you interact with your younger two. And then yes. what I've told you this before, in private conversation, your older two are going to need you more now than what they ever realized before. That's the beautiful yeah. part that you're going to get to see. And also, too, they're going to experience it as well. Yeah. I'm learning it. So, I'm learning it. I'm learning it. For mm-hmm. real. Yeah. Because um, <clears throat> I think... And don't get me wrong. I, I my belief is that all children need both of their parents from the time from the moment of conception through adulthood. But at a certain point, they start leaning on one or the other when they get mm-hmm. to adulthood. And I think boys start leaning leaning on their fathers more as they approach and go through adulthood. I think it depends. I think I do feel like um, when you go into mm-hmm. adulthood, you do lean on, you know, you do have a tendency to lean on your parents um, more. But I don't think, because, um, like, it's like with me, I lean more on my father or leaned more on my father when I got into adulthood. My sons, um, two of my sons lean more on me than their dad, you know, and my oldest daughter. Okay. You know, so I think it just varies on that child, the relationship, and the need, really, and what each parent contributes to your growth and your development. Yeah, I gotcha. agree. I agree. Okay, because I you gotcha. Gotta, you got to remember, <laughs> that everything depends upon the person, right? You know, right. Mm-hmm. Each parent develops differently, right? Mm-hmm. You know, from mm-hmm. financing to, to to common sense to book sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, so it depends Spiritual on the parents. Practical matters. Yeah. Practical yeah. Yeah, everything. Yeah. So some parents yeah. be like, you know what, just let that honestly, some of the adults are so still immature, you just say, let their ass just stay right there where they at. And the kids can <laughs> see it. The the kids <laughs> see it. Maybe like, you know, I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to talk to this other parent because they still think the same. They haven't they haven't grown up. They still think it's everybody's fault but theirs. Right, mm-hmm. and everybody's mm-hmm. to blame. So the the kids will see it. They'd be like, "I don't want to deal with you. I'd rather deal with this parent." Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> sometimes it depends on the individual. Well, a lot of times it depends on the individual. Yeah. Yes. And you know, we, know we get different things that we need from our, you know, from our parents and stuff like that. So um, one parent may be more nurturing. One parent may be more logical. So you know, it can be like a mix of who you mm-hmm. lean on when. You know, and then you got some some um, families where one parent is very quiet and the other one's very outspoken. So mm-hmm. you may feel more comfortable going to the one that's outspoken. So it just yeah, it just depends. 
like um, the wise one likes to say, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> on the person. Yeah, it depends on it all depends on the person. Yeah, I'm <laughs> <laughs> and I now get that all I finally come to understand it. <laughs> I finally come to understand it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. I know I already know what you're going to say. But now I, just, mm-hmm. I do understand it now. It makes sense now. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you all this. Speaking mm-hmm. of speaking of children, what's going to happen with uh, this January sixth committee? Is the uh, is Agent Ernst is child Agent Ernst is he going to uh, is he going to face some consequences, or is he going to be enabled? Well, he's been enabled this whole time. I I I think it was just I think they did it just for an embarrassment. They want to embarrass him, and pretty much they want to take his his run for power again. Uh, in 2024, they want to take it away from him. And they knew they couldn't do it because they. I think they know that the DOJ is not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then why waste my tax dollars with this whole sh- charade? I just told you, they want to embarrass him. So yeah, what they you do, don't want to embarrass him. Mm-hmm. You, and you, you, from you, being able to run or, right. you know, have a made the when he run again, try to run again in you, 2024. Exactly. Okay, you, okay. How long you take your funding? Okay. Think about this. You think you, mm-hmm. the Oath Keepers, the, all these different people that would help fund him, mm-hmm. a lot of them have gone to jail. A lot of them have gotten embarrassed, right? Mm-hmm. So okay. if you run again, he's going to look towards you and say, hey, can we do this again? You'll be like, man, I ain't with that shit. Like, mm-hmm. them people are not came for me. So you embarrass him and you take his funding away. Who he going to run? Because they, they say he already owe a lot, of, a lot of money for his lawyer fees. You know, he got this thing here in, in Georgia. Georgia ain't the only state that that's, uh, that has him online. New York got him on the line. So you just keep his money. You keep his money entangled. So he can't do anything. So nobody, if you embarrass him, you don't have to say, nobody else is going to say, I'm going I'm to tie my money to you. Mm-hmm. Let me and ask you, you got to realize you when you embarrass these people, they distance themselves. Yep, yep. Okay. So let me ask you a question. When he ran the first time, when is that news about him grabbing women, uh, when did that news come out? Wasn't it just like two to three days prior to the election? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so everybody heard this, mm-hmm. right, leading up to the election, yet uh-huh. women still voted for him. Yes. African-American, African-American Republicans still voted for uh-huh. him. Uh-huh. Right? So uh-huh. he's been, he's been, he's gone through the impeachment process, I think, twice. During his first mm-hmm. term, is that correct? Yeah, he this. still remained as president, correct? But let me ask you this. What was embarrassing about him grabbing about the pussy? Let's uh, that's what I was going to tell you. I, I was waiting. <laughs> I was going to say, when has it ever mattered to anybody in this country about objectifying <laughs> women? Like, right. turn well, on your TV. That's all day, yeah. every day. Like, this is you, the culture that we live. Nobody ever said exactly. about that. That ain't nothing exactly. that will make you turn nobody. And, and I hate to say that, but that's the reality of the world we yep. live in, our major. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not funny. It's sad, but, but it's true. I'm yeah, just like, okay. and I'm a woman okay. saying right. that. Hold up, hold up. Because uh, here's my pushback. If Obama, okay. if this news had come out about Obama. Oh, you can't know, no, sir. You can't know, sir. Because Obama's skin is, has melanin in his skin. We, you got to realize in this country, there's a different set of rules. It's for a different set of rules. Okay. You cannot okay. compare okay. them to a, yep. to a white man. You can't. You sure can't. 
Okay. They're not going to get the same grace. They're not going to get the same allowances. And they're going to, those people in the top that are in control, they would have pulled him down. He'd have been convicted. And if they could have lynched him, they would have did that too. First of all, the thing is, in order for me to be able to get away, in order for me to be able to get away with uh, disrespecting women and objectifying women, I need to be white. That's what you're saying? But but, hold on. Absolutely. Okay, thank you, Rain. Well, thank you. Hold on. Before you get that far, though. Hold on, but let me... Before you get that far, though, before you get that far, they don't give a damn about no woman. Honestly, these white men don't give a damn about no woman, no black man. Anybody, they don't care. It's only one thing they care about is themselves. And money. And money. So you okay. talk about a, a, a woman, they don't care. Remember, women were the last one who could damn near vote. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you know what y'all just did? You know what you just did? You basically gave me the argument. Trump can <laughs> and can possibly run again and win. No. That's what you yeah. just did. No. no. I, I, yes. I don't. So I don't, I don't disagree that he, I do feel like he can run again. I don't know that – I think that – I feel like those people that have been embarrassed, that have been attacked or whatever, they're going to distance themselves from him. So if the goal is – understand the goal is to um, to hurt the money, right, so that he yeah. doesn't have enough money to finance his campaign, right? So those people that were currently behind him or that were um, announced or that have been called out as a result of this whole um, charade, they are going to distance themselves. They're not going to fund him. But I don't doubt that he can't find funding from someplace else, just like when they did the insurrection. They're, those, those people that were out, some of those people were out, that were out there that took part in this were prominent people um, that had money. They had people that had money helping them with transportation, all these other things. So I'm not saying that there's not still people out there that can help finance him or give him money or whatever, but you got to understand the goal is to prevent that from happening, to create a distance between those that would finance him to help prevent him from being able to run again. That's the so, goal. Now, so whether it will be successful or not, I, I can't say, but the goal is to keep him from being able to do that. So you got to realize he's not going to be able to run again. I'm telling you. The reason he won and ran last time, it wasn't just the little man that was pushing him, or the middle man. He had the, 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 the support of the Republican Party. He had the billionaires that was pushing him because they wanted something. They thought he was going to be something totally different, right? Everybody mm-hmm. thought he was going to be something totally different. I don't know if y'all remember this. It is a lot of these commercials that came on when COVID was happening. It was a lot of big, especially on um, on um, uh, social media. A lot of billionaires, and they were saying, hey, we're the ones that put him in office. It wasn't you, right? And they did it, like, in the black and white type of setting. And they was like, we put him in office. And they was like, he did, you know, he, didn't, he did us dirty pretty much. It's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. It ain't us. It ain't, it ain't your electoral. You ain't none of that BS they give you. It's these 1% mm-hmm. that put these people in office, man. And when they put him in office and he didn't do, and he embarrassed them, he ain't finna get it again. He finna be in so much legal bull BS. That he he can't afford it. Yeah. Okay. And I don't think so, the party's gonna get behind him either to allow him to. Yeah. Like he would have to run as an independent, and we yep. already know how that works out. Yeah, you, know, you are not a independent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if if and, he's and not so on the for one of those evidence? major parties, he ain't gonna make it. Uh, you all have seen evidence of this that the party is the the GOP is not going to support him. You all have seen evidence of this that um. 
His boys are no longer going to financially support him. You all have seen evidence that he will not be able to run in, uh, what's this, 24? Listen. You all have seen evidence of this. Is that right? That's, that's, I'm sorry. That's the question. That's the question. That sounds like a yes to no we haven't, we haven't seen evidence of anything right now. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's a no. It is. Right. Yeah, it's a no. You haven't seen evidence. So of notice what I said. Notice what I said, Brock. I said I don't mm-hmm. think it's impossible that he can run, but I do not feel, I honestly do not see. I know that one of these major parties, the Republican Party is done with him. I do not see them getting behind him and endorsing him to either. be their yeah. candidate or their face on this on the ticket in twenty twenty four. I do not see that happening. So that's number okay. one. And if one of those mm-hmm. if he and we know the Democrats aren't gonna put him on there, you know what I'm saying? So if he mm-hmm. runs, if he gets the financing, he will have to run as an independent. And I do not feel that they're gonna be able to like with um two major tickets and him, it's no way he'd be able to pull it off. I just don't see it mm-hmm. happening. It's not gonna happen, man. It's not gonna okay. happen. Even even I though they may seem like it's gonna, even though they may they they talking like it's gonna happen, they know he they know mm-hmm. he can't do it. I hope you all are right, but currently I have no faith in what I'm saying. That's yeah. just, that's just how I look at. You, you I have, have no, no faith, faith in what I'm saying. You said no faith in faith in the government as a black people anyway. Well, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, you are right about that, but I just have no faith in it. Now, I wanted to go back to uh, something Rain was talking about earlier mm-hmm. when you uh, we were talking. You were talking about Web of Lies, but uh, with mm-hmm. the um, what was it? Uh, what's the scam Swatting. called? It's not a scam. It's not a scam. Swatting. It's um, huh? Swatting. Swatting. Yes, swatting. Mm-hmm. Explain to our audience what that is, please. To our listening audience, so, if you would. Okay, so swatting is basically when somebody calls the police and um, lies and says that there is a hostage situation going on in someone's home. So the SWAT team is dis- um, dispatched when there is a um, hostage situation going on. So you may say it's happening in the home. You could say it's happening at a at a school at a um, a, a public building or whatever. So basically you lie and say that there's a hostage situation going on and they dispatch the SWAT team to your location to try to talk down um, the person that's holding um, that's the, the um, hostage taker or whatever. So what's been happening is, um, especially in the gaming community, people have been swatting each other um, or started from the, the, the gaming community. They were swatting each other like if they would get upset with each other and somebody disrespected them on the game or they lost to somebody or lost a major competition or whatever, or they would do it to take you out the competition. And so since then it has grown to just random people swatting for whatever reason, for the fun of it or whatever. Um, in fact, this, uh, what's her name, Taylor something that she just recently ran for, um, she the ran governor, for governor. Yeah. yeah. She just experienced this right here in Georgia. She was swatted. Um, but, yeah, it's a very sure – um, so basically yeah, sure you got a SWAT team showing up at your house, helicopter over mm-hmm. your house, um, or your place of business or wherever they call it into school or whatever. So you got a helicopter flying around. You have SWAT team out there. You have law enforcement. And it's just a it's – a, it's a really scary thing, especially if it happens at your home. But mm-hmm. that's a popular scam or not really a scam, but a popular um, – I don't even know what to call it. Um, but it's, it's – it's, is going, and it's something you know, that kids are doing, right? Yes, yeah, um, not just kids, but young adults too. Um, yes, yeah. 
but it started with the gaming community as a way of distracting other gamers. Like they send a SWAT team at your house in the middle of a game or tournament that's for oh, money. Mm-hmm. Okay. It started with yeah, the gaming community. Yeah, if they lost anything or like that. Or if they were about to lose, they would try to get the yeah. SWAT team to your house before the, the thing was over. And they thought the okay. stuff was cute. You know, they thought it was funny mm-hmm. and cute. And, you know, this is, you know, they thinking it's a harmless prank, but not realizing um, there's federal consequences for that. It costs $10,000 every time the, yep. split, the SWAT team is dispatched. Yep. $10,000. So they're charging, I mean, causing lots of um, money uh, for taxpayers and things like that with these false um, false claims. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, Web of Lies was the documentary you brought up. And we were also talking about Akron, Ohio with um, – Jalen Walker. Yeah, yeah with Jalen mm-hmm. Walker. There's another documentary I want to bring up when we were talking about Jalen. Also takes place mm-hmm. in Akron or near Akron, Ohio. It's called. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix. It's called 137 Shots. Um, y'all know sometimes a car when it backfires, it sounds like a gun. Mm-hmm. So this car is speeding by this police station, and it backfires. Mm-hmm. Cop who just happened to be outside at the time thinks that the driver was shooting at him. So he mm. jumps in his car to chase the, um, the quote-unquote assailant. All of a sudden, there's 60 cars, 60 police cars chasing this one car. Now, the person who is actually driving the car uh, is a drug addict. He had just gotten a score. So he's kind of high. And he also has his girlfriend, who's also a drug addict, um, in, in mm. the car with him. The car backfires again during the police chase. They say he shot at them, although there is no evidence that he shot at them. Finally, during the car chase, they circle the car, the policemen. They actually circle the car, and there are 137 shots fired at this point. Mm. All of the shots, all 137 shots, come from the police officers. This, the mm. quote-unquote assailants, did not have a gun on them during that time. So there was no gunfire at the, at the initial police officer or at any time. One police officer actually stands on the hood of the freaking car and fires into the car, specifically on mm-hmm. the driver's side. Mm-hmm. And when he's questioned about it, he says, I don't remember doing that. Hmm. 137 mm-hmm. shots. To kill you know who. Hmm. Wow. They got all the balls in the world, eh? Wow. <clears throat> and of course they also talk about Tamir Rice in, in this documentary, but it's centered around this victim and his family. Now he had like I said, he had a drug problem. So this was um you know, he had gotten, he had just gotten high, and now he's speeding down the street, which he shouldn't even be driving, of course. But at the mm-hmm. same time, too, none of this should have resulted in this, you know, in it this way. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know what the, you know what the police officers, plural, said? I feared for my life. That's all they now, mind think. you, with the 137 shots that were fired, they were actually shooting at each other because they circled the car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So they were actually shooting at each other. And uh, some of the people in the documentary said it's a, it's a wonder that they didn't wind up shooting each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That kind of stuff, too. Line them up. All them up. Line them up. Everybody should be fired and convicted. And, mm-hmm. But we know that ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course. Which is why I have, you know, brings up my skepticism regarding this January 6th thing, regarding, unfortunately, the next victim of of police violence. It, it's... it's but, it's sad. But you, it's sad. But you know me. what though? Mm-hmm. And I, I think I've said it on the podcast before. And um, Dick Gregory made a, a perfect point about it. Uh, and it, it kind of goes back to the same thing what me and Wayne were saying. So you want to disrupt the money, right? We mm-hmm. understand that money controls a lot. So if you disrupt the money, people are not going to back you the way that they that they did before, right? So mm-hmm. what, one of the things that uh, Dick Gregory said, especially when it comes to the police, you take their insurance away. You make they have you give them a higher insurance rate because you got to realize that when they when they go for their to become an officer, they have insurance, right? So if you take okay. their insurance away, who's going to hire them? All right, who, if they have a like for us, right? When we look at our insurance on our cars, and he's like, "Oh man, your rate is too high. I'm not going to go with you," right? So. Mm-hmm. If if he has a high insurance rate because he's been doing foolishness out here, who's going to hire you? Because a lot of these officers, let's just say Atlanta. I'm going to use Atlanta, for example. They'll leave Atlanta and say, well, I got fired from Atlanta. I can go to East Point. Okay, I got fired from East Point. I can go to College Park. I got fired from College Park. I can go to Doorville. I can go to this place. But now if I take mm-hmm. your insurance away or if I make your premium high as hell, nobody want to deal with you because they don't want to pay that insurance. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we as a people, we have to stop playing checkers and connect four of these people and start playing some real some real chess. But a lot of people don't know that, and the people who do know it don't want to do it because they too busy care about Blue Lives Matter right until the situation hits them or hit home for them. And it has nothing to do with Blue Lives. It's have, it, it, it all has to do with what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. That's what. It, that's what. At the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. That's simple enough. Yeah, that's simple enough. But we're so conditioned and taught to that everybody doing something wrong, or all blacks, or all brown, or whoever, right, are doing mm-hmm. something wrong in certain in some type of manner that they deserve to get shot. They deserve to get whatever this case may be. But if I take your insurance away, who gonna who gonna hire you? That's like. If, if if you did something right, if you had your particular job and you got bad reviews, right? And we all, mm-hmm. a lot of us, do things based off reviews. If if out of five five stars and you got a one, I'm most likely ain't gonna choose you because you got a one. Mm-hmm. Right. You you right. like the the you like the gutter of the gutter. So no, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna choose you. So we have to become more strategic and say, you know what? Let's take this away from them. Let's make it harder. You know, and if you realize, I don't know if you all voted, I'm sure you voted this sometime this year, where a lot of states are saying, hey, if this situation happened, Mr. Cop, you're on your own. I don't, we no longer want to pay that $10 million for you. Because remember, the states are, the cities were paying for them. Mm-hmm. Right. So the city right. said, I don't want to pay for you no more. You, you on your own. We had to vote on that. And most people said, yeah, let them, 
you know, you on your own because the city want to continue to pay for you and your mistakes. So that's just that's just me. Yeah. Um. It's you know like it's interesting that um you know like when we talk about the money and stuff like that, you know there's so much power in the black dollar and it's so sad to me that. Um, the area that we can be most effective, like, with our money, we we don't do that. You know what I mean? So, like, these um, organizations that stand behind and support, um, support like, the law enforcement officers that do these types of things or um, even in our communities and stuff like that, um, that we can, like, where we can have influence, especially with our money and stuff like that, we don't do what we as much as we can do. Like we'll have a blackout for one day, right? We'll say, okay, we're gonna boycott shopping, no shopping on this day or whatever. We'll do that for one day. Like that one day really makes an effect or whatever. And most people won't even get um, get involved. So you see that happen a lot of times after like somebody um, gets killed or or by the police or something like that. So that you know in that particular state or in this city or whatever, you know, somebody organized it across, it's supposed to be like across the country and stuff like that. So like I said, we don't see the um, our community really come together in that regard. And there's so much power behind our dollar, right? And so mm-hmm. if we start hitting things like that, you know, hitting, because um, a lot of these politicians and stuff like that, um, they're tied in, like they're tied into the money, right? The different place, like the different things that they, um, a lot of the stuff that we support or whatever, they're connected some kind of way with the money, major companies, things like that. And so when we get together, like if we were to ever figure this thing out and get together and really do things the way that it used to be done, like really withholding our money, keeping our money in our community and stuff like that and really having an impact mm-hmm. on what's happening in this nation, we can we can really drive change. But we I don't know why we just can't get organized like that, why we can't do what needs to be done and um, assert our power. But I think we're so, so many of us are just so lost, so brainwashed and so um, fearful. And I guess that's the best word to use. Like a lot of people are fearful, right, if they step up or they stand up or they do something for more than a day that, um, oh, this is going to hurt my family or this on this or this on that. Like how you were saying, like in Sri Lanka, those people aren't afraid to die. They are afraid to um, sacrifice whatever it takes or whatever. It's until we get on that type of page or start seeing the world from that type of perspective, we're just going to keep going through the same cycles, same cycles, um, continuing to lose our black men, our black women, and um, report to a government and, and be under the leadership of a government that cares nothing about us. They don't care about us. They don't care about our children. And they continue to enslave us in multiple ways, multiple ways. And we just sit back and be the victim, you know. So it's a, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs. It really is. Well, I, I firmly believe that we can do it. Now, I understand mm-hmm. your apprehensions in the belief of it. I completely understand it, and it makes sense. So, so I'm not pushing back on you at all. But at some point, First of all, you just said it, um, the boycott. Start, concentrate our money. Because in America, that's what gets your attention. That's mm-hmm. what always gets your attention. If we can shut down a bus company, we can do it again. That's how, that's how I view it. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I view it. We can, we can shut down whomever we need to shut down. 
with our dollars well, and you concentrate it elsewhere. Go ahead. Why am I wrong? <laughs> why am I wrong? Let me tell you why you're wrong. Let me tell you the difference between the two and how they okay. did things. Sure. Right now, we have a a privileged amount of people. We all privileged, right? Because as parents mm-hmm. and as generations, you want to make sure the next generation don't have to go through a lot of things that you go through, right, mm-hmm. in right. the past. So now it's mm-hmm. so much stuff that's given to people you no longer have to do that. You no longer want to do this. You no longer want to do that. You see what I'm saying? So when you think about the bus thing, right, they was they would say, hey, let's all, we all should be able to ride this white bus, right? But guess what that did? Mm-hmm. You took away from the black people who had their own bus. The, own, the, the, the black community, they had their own businesses. You took away from it because everybody, you wanted to be all inclusive. We all can, can um, we all can ride this, the white bus and the black bus, right? So mm-hmm. now you took away from the black people having their business to everybody right now. So now you think about our kids. Our kids can do whatever the hell they want to do. They can go wherever the hell they want to go. No matter no matter what the laws are, right, and I'm not saying people getting shot or anything like that. What I'm saying, they, they can do whatever they want to do. So your privilege is totally different. When you go to some of these other countries, the privileges are so different that, they their their fight is different. So back then our their our fight was different. Right now we not they're not fighting the same type of fight. And that's why we can't get the results that we want because of the privileges that we have. So that's until until they really until we really grab a hole and say, you know, the privilege that you have is really not a privilege. Right? And I don't know if anybody have ever had their license taken, suspended or anything like that. No, okay. no. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess maybe I'm the only one. But anyway, um, <laughs> they'll tell you, <laughs> the judge will tell you that having your license is a privilege. It's a privilege. It's not a right. It's not a right. Driving is a privilege. It's not a right. Right? Because mm-hmm. everybody don't get their license. Because guess what? If you can stop, you get a ticket. Let's just say you don't have no license or your license is suspended. You may get arrested and get a ticket. You see the difference? So until mm-hmm. they, until we really understand that we, that what this life that we have is truly is not as privileged as as, it, as they make it seem, then that's when things will change. But right now, they get kids get to get whatever the hell they want. You know, back then as a kid, you used, used to have Kesslers. Everybody can walk in Kessler, right? And you can get what you want. Back then, we couldn't sit at a table and eat. You had to go through the back and knock on the door, you know, wait for the food to come in and dash the greasy bag of anything. Now you can walk in the front door and not have a problem. So it's all about privilege. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's And so you think that we've gotten so comfortable to this point where we don't see the need to where we can get better. We've gotten complacent in our comfortable comfortability, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word. Yes. Absolutely. Until until your until your feathers are ruffled by something, right? Mm-hmm. And then guess what? Those are your feathers, not somebody else's, right? So this mm-hmm. is what this is what we don't understand. Like if we take, let's say George Floyd, right? That's kicked off a lot of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That was the that was what a couple what a year two or three years ago, right? I don't know by last mm-hmm. year two, two two years two ago. Years ago. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Nothing has nothing else has changed, right? 
Nope. So that means all feathers haven't been ruffled enough. All feathers were ruffled that day, that month, that couple, let's just say a year or six months. It was only ruffled That's for six months. Point. It's done. That's my point. Now, yeah. now to everybody, if, let's just say when when that happened, when that George Floyd thing happened, honestly, I'm going to take it back before George Floyd. When Emmett Till's situation happened, it should have been just happening in these other countries. Everybody in their mama should have been outside. Outside, nobody working, every black person, every white person, whoever disagreed with it would have been outside and say, hey, this is what we demand, right? Just like when the Asians got their bill, they didn't do anything. They just got passed, no problem. You're not on the MNT bill and all that stuff in, but no black folk got upset and said, hey, we need to have this bill. If y'all doing that for them, do this for us. Nobody's seven got ruffled. Well, mm-hmm. to be fair, that was a different time. Not saying that you're not right. But that was a different time as far as how information was able to get out at that point in time. So at that point in time, um, well, we were lying. It's even huh? worse. Well, it's even worse. Well, what I'm saying me, is, though, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, okay, because uh, that photo of him with the open casket, first of all, from what I've recently learned, his mother had to fight with, the, um, I think it was the government. She had to fight with the government to have his casket open, for one. She mm-hmm. wanted the casket open. And then, two, how we got to even see it, it was through Jet Magazine. It wasn't through our local newspaper. It was through Jet mm-hmm. Magazine. And keep in mind, Jet Magazine came out on a weekly basis. So when mm-hmm. people saw it, when we saw it specifically, because we were the ones buying Jet Magazine, not our white brothers and sisters. It was us. So once we saw mm-hmm. it, then we were able to bring attention to it. But his mother knew exactly what she was doing. But this, but this is what I'm saying, though. You're proving my mm-hmm. point. It hasn't changed. No matter no matter what the information age is, right? We have more information mm-hmm. in now than we did then. What I'm saying yeah. is, is no uproar. It's not, okay. It, 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 okay. The I got uproar, you. The uproar mm-hmm. only lasts for like maybe six months. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes it don't even last that long. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the point. I see. We point. don't. We're not consistent. We don't stick it through until we get the change we want. We go right mm-hmm. back into doing life as usual, right? We go back to supporting the same businesses. We go back. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't black out for five years, right? Until we get what we need, right? We black out for a couple months, and then everybody's not blacking out. You know what I'm saying? It's a mm-hmm. select few. Some people are like not willing to give up that privilege. Like, oh, we didn't come too far. That's not my issue. You know, they don't take it personal because it's not at their doorstep, right? Yep. So, yep. Yep. Yeah, but it's other, this other thing too, though. This other thing too, though, and and I've seen thinking about it. If people don't realize that the, the companies that you work for write the bills, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be with that company. A lot of companies that 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 we work for write these bills that's put in place, like this abortion bill, right? That the, that everybody's supporting. You know how many companies actually support that bill? How many? It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of companies, and this happened back in. Shoot, this happened back in the 1800s. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Let me see. I watched something on GPTV one day, and it was like talking about J.P. Morgan Chase and the Labor Committee and how Chase Bank. I ain't gonna call no names, but it was J.P. Morgan Chase who started this whole whole writing bills and stuff. And a lot of these companies that we work for write the bills that's actually in place. That really hurts you and me and the common mm-hmm. man. 
that's not black and white. I mean, it's not black. And a lot of companies that we work for that you support and you get your paycheck from, write it. Understood. Understood. So, um, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, because I was going to say, even like with some of the insurance companies that we um, Mm -hmm. that we pay our premium to and stuff like that, they were built on um, the fact that they were insuring white slave owners, you know, Mm -hmm. for their slaves as commodities and stuff. And so, if you research the history of your insurance company, you may find that you are insured by an insurance company that used to insure white slave owners that, you know, Mm -hmm. um, allowed them to cover black people as property and stuff like that. And so that kind of stuff, we don't go that deep, you know what I mean, and do that type of Mm -hmm. research to say, hey, you know, and just like with the situation going on in Ukraine, you know, we had black soldiers and stuff like that. Or, I mean, like if, you know, there was a war or something like that or people going over there to volunteer, of color, we know that this is a place that still calls black people niggers. You know what I mean? But right. when we look on different um, business sites or whatever, I don't know if you've gone on any business sites and you see we stand with the Ukraine, you stand mm-hmm. with a country that don't um, that don't respect my culture, that doesn't respect me as people. You know what I mean? So those things mm-hmm. don't matter to us. We keep funneling our money into those types of places mm-hmm. that don't see the bigger picture or the problem. Or like in some of these other com- in these communities, the black communities, a lot of these Asian people or Indian people, you walk in there, they they got attitude, they dog you out. But people steady in there, spending their money, spending their money, instead of saying, hey, yeah. respect respect me like I respect you and respect the people right. that look like me when they come in here. Yeah, and my thing is, why why are we the only community, right? If you go into um, Chinatown, you know, it's no black business posted up in Chinatown. If you go into um you know, like so when they come and they when they come and create their communities and stuff like that, their businesses, like the doctors are Asian, the um all the store owners are Asian. No black person is coming up posting up a um wing shop in the middle of Chinatown. It's not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They make sure that all those businesses are secured by them. So they build communities and they're not the only culture or race that does that, right? Or I won't say race, but the only culture that does that. Um, you know, Indians do the same thing. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. have their area where they shop and things like that, and they keep funneling their dollars through their communities. Um, why can't we do that? Like, why don't we do that? We used to do that. Like, during the civil rights movement and all that stuff, you had black businesses and where you put your black dollar and stuff like that. But we don't do that. We don't, we're the only ones that don't do that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, because everybody want to be on the on the other side of the track to stay on their side of the track. I was talking to my great mm-hmm. uncle. He died. At, he died at ninety. He was like, uh, integration was the worst thing that ha- ever happened. Mm-hmm. He there were so many black businesses that was doing good before integration. Yeah, and it was, a, and they pretty mm-hmm. much drove us out of business. They mm-hmm. became mm-hmm. the forefront of the business and stuff, and. You know, we're chasing status, you know, Louis Vuitton and Mercedes mm-hmm. and all these different places and stuff like that. We're putting all our dollars in this. And a lot of these designers are so funny to me because a lot of them will say stuff, you know, had made statements like, oh, I didn't make my clothes for black people. Or they said stuff that's like openly racist and stuff like that. You still go back and don't mm-hmm. even have money to put in it. This is crazy mm-hmm. to me. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's status. It's 
the status quo. Everybody want to look good. Yeah. He, 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 yeah. he wants this utopia to be is nice. He wants this utopia to be nice. <laughs> well, Mock yeah, oh, baby. Mock me not. Okay? <laughs> I am going to hold on to that belief that it is still possible. Without it, I lose my sanity. Without it, I lose my sanity. What I hear, what I hear doubt. What I hear that doubt. You, you have to, you, you got to realize, like, so anything is possible, but you also have to be realistic, right? You have to look at the mindset of these people, the mindset of people. You know what I mean? It starts Mm -hmm. in our mind. You know what I mean? And until we get out of this enslaved mindset that has been thrust upon us and break free of the matrix that y'all like to say, <laughs> it's not going to change. You well, have to unplug. And people don't it's like, these people like being plugged in. Just like they like to be when you watch in, the yeah, matrix yeah. movie, exactly. When you watch <laughs> yeah. the matrix movie, most of them like to be plugged in because the reality in that world is so much better than the fight that you have to, yep. that you have to prepare yourself for mentally when you unplug. Yep. Hmm. And then when you Sorry, tell them the reality, reality, when you tell them the reality, they say, don't tell me no more. No, please don't tell me no more. Please. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. <laughs> please. Oh, man. All right. So I, I guess I'm forced to concede again. Right? So y'all y'all first, y'all, um, y'all made me concede. Well, y'all didn't make me concede on that. Unconditional love. We just agreed to disagree. But y'all going to make me concede on my utopia. I got you. I got you. Remember, utopia is what you create. Yeah, and I you don't have to feel your utopia. Just stop trying to I pull everybody else into it. All right, I'm going to agree with that one. I'll agree with that one. So um, speaking of unplugging, that's what we're about to do in just a minute. We're going to go ahead on and clean up some houses. Uh, thank you for sharing. And we ask that you continue to care enough to share us. Uh, don't keep us to yourselves. Do not keep us a secret. Tell a friend. Become a friend. Email us. The Gospel Truth at Gmail. Oh, I'm sorry. The Gospel Truth No BS at gmail.com. That's The Gospel Truth N O B S at gmail.com. Email us with your comments, your critiques, your suggestions, topic suggestions and or questions. Oh, and as uh, my brother loves to say, put us on the corner. Put us on the corner. Put us out there. Put us um, out Ray, there. Rain, anything you want to add? Spread us around, right? <laughs> like mayo, yeah. baby. Spread it like mayo. <laughs> everybody don't like, everybody don't like mayo. I don't. But whatever you like. Whatever you like, spread it. <laughs> spread it. Shoot. So make sure you check us out on um, some of your most popular podcast platforms. We are on Spotify, Anchor, Apple um, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and Stitcher. And um, yes, and if you listen to us on Spotify, Spotify is accepting ratings. We are asking for five, but we want the gospel truth. All right. Um, I do want to like remind that. you, our major, to um, share a little bit about the Wisdom app. Um, 
We're on the wisdom. We're on wisdom now. I don't know a lot about it. <laughs> I don't know a lot about it. I think Antonio may have explored it a little bit more than I have. But we were actually invited to uh, wisdom. And, and Antonio brought up um, point directed us to an email that we received. We were recently invited to join wisdom. Wisdom, we found out, is a community of uh, what, thinkers? Podcasters. Yeah, podcasters and, mm-hmm. and different people with different uh, different opinions and different views, and and you actually can talk live on it, and we can have guests on as well. So it's going to be something that we plan to explore. And if anyone wants to jump on, please feel free. Uh, we'll let you know uh, once we get all the logistics done on it, uh, mm-hmm. so you all can join us on the live podcast with the yeah, Wisdom app. Yeah, I think so we need another to say way hello at least soon. Yep, yeah. Thank you, Rain. <laughs> yep. We, we coming. So, and we that coming. was one of those, that was one of those, what we call blessings, one those unintended uh, mm-hmm. options that came our way. Because we weren't looking at them. They were looking at us. So someone yeah. heard something that they liked. And, you know, we thank you all for checking us out because we also see that people are going back to listen to us. And needless to say, we love it. Get on the train. You're welcome. You're welcome on yes. board. Thank you. Thank you. Right. So is there anything else before we have our ending quote? Uh, no. Uh, I can't think of anything. What about you guys? I think that's everything. Um, uh, no, 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 no. I have something I do need to say right quick. Okay. I love you, too. Let, we love go. you back. <laughs> <laughs> love you back. <laughs> Oh, my God. That was funny. The way y'all did it, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> what you got for us today, Antonio? But before, I have to agree. Before before, before I have to agree with, with our manager. You know, I, when we first did, we were talking about the podcast. I was very, I was very hesitant. And um, I'm definitely glad that I jumped on. I'm definitely glad that, that uh, we got rain on. And I'm just definitely glad that that we are successful in what, in what we're doing. And I, and I want to appreciate you both. Well, Aww. um. Y'all being all called Thomas this morning. <laughs> yeah, you get, you get the call Thomas this day. You get the call Thomas today. Uh, well, as you, as you all know, I believe in there's no such thing as coincidence. Everything happens for a reason. We are here for a reason. And we may not know the reason. We may think we know something. We may not know everything there is to know, but I do know nothing happens by coincidence. And I am thankful that I have my brother and sister to kick this with. So I can't, I couldn't see it any other way. And that's real. That's real talk. Yes, I agree. So other than that, I'll go ahead and close us out. Yes, sir. Your hey, job hey, is not. <laughs> Thank you. You got it from Florida. It's all you. <laughs> Your job is not to judge. Your job is not to figure out if someone deserves something. Your job is to lift the fallen, to restore the broken, and to heal the hurting. Open your Amen. mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. God, bless. God bless. God bless. God bless. God bless.